Now more than ever, we need to rely on our faith, whether it's strengthening it, whether it's reconnecting with it, whether it's maintaining it, whether it's spreading the word about it. We just need our faith. We are in trying times and your faith is more important than ever. And I talk about that in this week's episode with Leslie Halliday. What happens when you put a career-focused woman with two kids trying to balance home and work life in a room with a microphone? Lots of laughter, tears, and great advice. I'm Jill Devine, and welcome to Two Kids and a Career. My guest today is Leslie Halliday, and she and her husband, Matt, they just started a new podcast called Table 40. And of course, I can say that Matt is a former MLB player, but it be rude of me to not say he is a former Cardinal since I'm a St. Louis gal and that's how I know the holidays. Leslie, thank you for joining me today. Man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So you spent a lot of time in St. Louis when Matt was playing for the Cardinals and now you're back in Oklahoma. What do you miss about St. Louis? Oh gosh, there's a lot. We were there for about eight years and, um, First of all, I miss my buddies. You know, when you when you live somewhere for that long of a time, you develop really neat relationships. So I miss seeing them a little bit more regularly than I do now. And you know what? I really miss the food. There's a lot of <laughs> St. Louis is. I mean, there's some great restaurants there. I can't remember when it was on a, an episode. I'm trying to pinpoint it, but we were talking about something and food. And and I was like, oh, that place is so great for food and, and meaning a city. And she's like, yeah, but St. Louis, we can't count St. Louis out. I was like, you're right. We can't. We've got some good places here. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's very underrated. I mean, there's some great restaurants in St. Louis. So I do. I miss that a lot. All right. Well, I want to talk about the podcast Table 40. And I want to talk about something that has not been discussed on this podcast in depth, and that is faith. And I wanted to have someone like you be the first person I have this conversation with because of what Table 40 is about, because of what you and your husband have done with other individuals. And then I I have some questions about, well, well, let's start with Table 40. Let's start with this podcast and why you two created it. It's kind of a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version of the story. So in 2015, um, Matt was playing, obviously, with the Cardinals. And a good girlfriend of mine, she was married to one of Matt's teammates, was going through a divorce. And I've I've been a Christian for a very long time, so I'll rewind to that. So I've been a Christian for a long time. I got very serious about my faith in college. Um, when Matt and I got married, I, I really started rolling because um, I had a lot of free time on my hands. Matt was working a lot. I was um, alone in Colorado because you know, logistically he's gone all the time and, and I'm at home. And before we had kids, I definitely had a lot of free time. And oh, I, started, I was going to say yes. more kids, by the way, yeah. I forgot to mention that that's something else we could talk yes. about. <laughs> and so I just started reading a lot. Um, and cause I was, you know, when we, 
when we say like, oh, she's a Christian, you kind of are, it's so blurry, like what that means. And, um, and I, I didn't really know what it meant. I knew that I had this desire to follow Christ. I knew that, um, that is the, the way I wanted to go, but I, there was so much about the faith I didn't understand. And so I started reading book after book after book. And my main guy back in the day was a guy named Max Lucado, mm-hmm. he's still a pastor in, um, San Antonio area, but I read every book he ever wrote and I was into it. So I kind of started to learn. And then we, when we got married, we've had kids, continue to grow in my faith. And then we get to, um, and I'd led Bible studies over the course of, um, of the years with, with the baseball wives and, and always involved in a Bible study, always involved in church and always reading books. And then in 2015, um, I experienced something that really bothered my soul and my buddy was getting divorced and, um, it felt like, she was handled um, a little cold from the Christian community because divorce is no one really knows how to handle that. Right. And so it's just kind of, and it's a teammate and it's this, that, and the other. And so from the Christian community that I was involved in, I kind of felt like my friend was handled a little cold and like injustice will sort of pierce your heart a little bit differently than um, other things will. And so I went home that night and I told my friend Hannah, who was babysitting my kids, I was like, Hannah, I think God's calling me to ministry. I need to learn more about Jesus. And so I started to go to school. So Jill, I went to school in 2015 and I'm still in school because of all my kids and all my dogs. I'm like snail pacing it. I graduate in May. I'm so excited. It'll be a major celebration. But um, it's been one of my greatest joys to be in school and to really understand what it means to follow Christ. And so, um, and I've learned a ton. And so this podcast conversation came about because Matt has finished playing and, um, I'm involved in a ministry called PAO, which is Professional Athlete Outreach. I was talking to my good friend, Mallory, who works for PAO. And I said, hey, Mallory, you know, what would really be great is if um, someone started a podcast as a vehicle of information for our athlete brothers and sisters, like NHL, football, and um, baseball is kind of who's involved mostly with the ministry. And I was like, why don't we do that? Like, go find somebody that'll start this podcast. And she goes, oh, I have somebody. And I said, oh, great. I said, great. This is kind of what I'm thinking. And she goes, oh, no, this person's going to be you. And I said, oh, oh, no. And so because I'm the person that's great at ideas and then delegating those ideas. And I'm, I really very rarely do I come up with an idea and then administer that idea. But that's kind of how it got started. And then I, I wrangled Matt into it because he's my best buddy. And I think it's cool to have a husband and wife perspective. And that's kind of, that's kind of the long, kind of short, long version of how it got started. So it's been in my heart for many, many years, for sure. All right. I have some questions that I, I wrote down or some statements too. So where do you go to school? Ozark Christian College is where I'm doing the undergrad. Um, and then I'm either going to go to Denver Seminary or Liberty. Something that I wanted to bring up from my experience when you talked about your friend in divorce and how a lot of people shun. I remember one day sitting in church and I don't remember the exact context, but the, the, the pastor said, why do we shut our doors for individuals that are going through hard times like drug addiction or sex addiction 
or this or that or divorce. Our doors should be opening wider for those individuals. And that hit me like, yes, that's what we, yes, you want people to come in when they're having tons of problems too. Oh, hundred percent. And I, and I think, um, so our, our podcast is called table 40 and, um, the table just means, hey, let's just let's just have these conversations around the table. So one of Matt and I's um, qualities that that really I'm proud of, right? It's kind of weird to brag about yourself, but I'm going to do it. And so no, you I'm need do to. It. So Matt and I, the one thing I love about us as a couple is over the years we've learned how to be very hospitable. And so because baseball is. A, a really interesting job and it's kind of like power dating, you know? So, so what I mean by that is like some guys on your team, you're only there with them for three months or maybe you're with them for a year. And so you want to get to know people super quickly because the goal is to win championships and you're not going to win championships without investing in your teammates. And so mm-hmm. I don't, you just not. And so nobody has that story where they win a world series and they're like, yeah, man, I barely knew my teammates. Like that doesn't exist. Like every time you interview somebody or you talk to someone and you tell me about, tell me about this experience, all of them are going to say, those are my brothers and we came together and we won a championship. So Matt and I believe like just from a separate the, the Christian aspect of it, Matt and I believe like, man, we want to get to know the people that we are going to be around. We want to get to know their families. We want to get to know who they are. And so that's been a practice of ours since we got married early in our early in our relationship is like, we want to get to know the people that, that have been placed in our circle of influence. And so then you put our faith on top of that. And then we want to get to know your story and we want to walk with you in your journey. And so that's kind of how we roll. That's kind of what we do. And so, so table means like, just come as you are, let's meet where, where you are and um, let's just have conversations. So it kind of just, is what we've done for years. And um, then 40 comes from Psalm 40. And it's one of my favorite verses in scripture or passages in scripture. And um, it talks about exactly what you're saying is that it, you can read it yourself, but it's basically like verse two says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. So what that means is, is that we're in this pit and we're we're in this mud, so to speak, and whatever it is, divorce, addiction, same-sex attraction, having a problem with race, like whatever that is that makes you um, dirty or uncomfortable or not quite right in, in, in line with what scripture says. And so God will grab you from that, pull you from that, set you on a firm foundation and give you a new song to sing. And so I, I believe that we just have to enter these spaces with our friends because we've all been there and our faith is, is received from the Lord. It's not achieved. Like you don't have to get cleaned up and come to church. You need to just come as you are and Mm -hmm. allow the, the word of God to, to over the course of time, kind of shake some things out for your life. And, um, we need to be a people that, that enters those spaces instead of says, nah, not yet. You're not allowed to come here yet because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I'm here for you now. I'm going to rescue you in the mess. And then we'll get, we'll get rolling on and kind of shake some things out over the course of your life. And so, um, it's called sanctification. Like you don't become a Christian in a, and get rid of sin overnight. Like it's a process that we go through 
um, over, over the course of our lives. I mean, shoot, Jill, there are things I'm struggling with now um, that I've struggled with since I was 16 years old that I haven't quite mastered. Right. And so, and that's just the way life is. And so I, I am totally against um, not, I'm with you on that. That that's a very very wise thing. Is like our doors should be more open. We shouldn't be a people that judge because we didn't earn our salvation. We received it as a gift, so we can't boast about that and act like we um, have it all figured out because we don't. We're all learning. You talked about how you, as a Christian now, that you, you're still struggling with things, and I think that that's part of the problem for people that are growing their faith like me, that sometimes you think that people who do have a strong faith, that they're like you, that you have it all together. And I know that everybody has sinful actions, but do you feel like they're not as apparent as they used to be? I don't know if I'm wording that right. It just feels like sometimes... You know, I'll, I'll look at my pastors or I, I know that you and I are just meeting now, but I'll look at people like you who are doing so many great things and you're, you know, teaching the word. And, and I think, oh, am I, are they 100% clean? I know that that's false because you just said it. But how do you go through certain thoughts and actions? All right. So there are lots of things that, um, that, I can look at my life now at 41 years old that I don't battle like I used to. And so it's just not as desirable to me because my uh, the more I learn about Jesus and the more I learn about how fast life goes and the more I realize that, man, this day matters to the Lord. Absolutely. Because it's going to point to that day that I stand in front of Jesus like that is coming for all of us. So that's kind of like where I am is I believe in the reality is there will be a day, whether it's today or 50 years from now, that I'm going to stand in front of Jesus and I'm going to have to give an account for my life. And so that's kind of where what I believe is true. And so I have a pastor friend who actually is from St. Louis and he passed away recently. His name is Darren Patrick. And he taught me something really cool. And he said, Leslie, there's going to be issues in your life that are non-negotiables that you hold on to very, very tightly. And then there's going to be things in your life that you're going to have to hold on a little bit loose. So one of my non-negotiables is for me to think about my days that you know what, this day matters. And, um, and this day matters because it's going to eventually um, lead to that day that I stand before Jesus. And so let me give you like a practical example. I okay. like wine. I've always liked wine. I've never had a problem with alcohol. So I used to drink too much wine. I'm not, not, I'm not talking about an alcoholic by any stretch of the imagination. That's a battle that I have tremendous grace for and, and unbelievable compassion and empathy towards, but I've never struggled with an alcohol addiction. But I have had too much wine on a number of occasions, especially as a younger woman. And um, that doesn't represent God very, very clearly. And so, but I, I did, I struggled with it. Well, now you move, you move a little bit further of your understanding towards scripture. And I understand now that drinking too much wine is a stumbling block for my sisters that might struggle with alcohol or, or my sisters that might struggle with Jesus. And they see someone that claims Christ that has had 
three or four glasses of wine and a little a little tipsy, right? And so now as an older woman that's becoming a little bit more mature in my faith, that's something I don't do. Do I still drink wine? Yeah, absolutely I do. No problem with it. I don't think scripture has a problem with it. But what scripture does have a problem with is, Leslie, don't be a stumbling block and don't get drunk. And so now I'm, I realize that and that because that's something that I hold very seriously to. Like I don't drink too much and I, and if I'm around somebody that I know has an alcohol problem, I will not drink in front of them because I don't want to trip them up. And so those are kind of like, that's a practical example of my growth. And so, yeah, was I a Christian when I would drink too much? Yes, I was. Do I believe that I would have, my salvation was secure? Yes. But I had a learning, I needed to learn about what that looks like for me and what that looks like. If I'm going to claim that Jesus is my authority, how do I live, um, live in that. Right. And so does that make sense? And it does that I still struggle with is, um, I struggle with comparison a lot. And so a boundary that I've placed in my life for even this podcast is I don't read reviews and I don't get into all that because I want to purely serve the Lord. And so I don't want to do I don't want to compare like what Matt and I are doing to what, you know, our friends Matt and Daniel Forte are doing. They we interviewed them the other day and they have a podcast. And so I don't want to do that. So I've placed a boundary because I know my heart is still very tender and immature in the area of comparison. So like the other day, I went to dinner with some friends and I have this one really beautiful friend. Like she'll make everybody jealous. I don't care. She's beautiful, smart, beautiful, just stunning. And I went to dinner with her and Matt came home and he was like, how was dinner? And I was like, Oh, it was, it was good. I was like, but so-and-so was just really got on my nerves. Well, no, she didn't. I was jealous of her because she looked super great and, and like she hasn't had any kids. And so like her life is just like awesome. Right. (laughs) And I love my kids. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Listening to her stories and I'm like, Oh, and there was this jealousy thing. So what happens when I get home and talk bad about her? Like, listen, this is like three months ago. And so I am not this perfect, you know, Bible student, but that the cool thing about being so close to Jesus is as that was coming out of my mouth, this scripture rolls through my mind and it says, Hey girl, from the fullness of your heart, your mouth speaks. You need to work. We need to deal with this, this jealousy that's going on in your heart. And so I did. And I was like, Lord, I'm sorry, but I, and I am, I am jealous of her. Like, this is why. And, and like, there was this, there's this freedom in your relationship with Jesus where you can start to evaluate your heart and evaluate your sin and know you can go to him and say, I'm jealous of her. Like, help me in that. And so because I don't want to be that girl and I don't want to struggle with that kind of stuff. And prayerfully, as God keeps calling me on that and and the Holy Spirit, and God keeps calling me on that and I can keep going to the Lord with prayer. Hopefully the comparison thing won't have such a grip on me five, six years from now, you know, and I I think that there's just this misconception like you come out of the water, you're baptized, you start following Jesus and you need to have your stuff. Well, that's not true. And so it's a progress and you see it in scripture all the time. You can study the life of Peter and you can see that his progress um, over the course of his deciding to follow Jesus to dying for Jesus. There was a there's a big learning curve in there and there's going to be a learning curve for us as well. So we got to be gracious to one another and we need to be gracious to ourselves as we learn to to follow Christ. When we bought our home we first saw it at an open house and I'll tell you what 
that many people in an open house, it was just ridiculous. And I had already deemed the house ours. I just knew it was going to be ours. And I just was mad that these people were in the house and I could see them. And I didn't like it. I would have loved this new feature that's online at blondinrealestate.com where you can sign up to gain access and immediate updates about their coming soon and off-market property community. So basically you can buy or sell a property before it even hits the market. So you are getting the inside scoop. You are getting the knowledge before anyone else. You're ahead of the game. It's a win-win for all involved. Sign up now by visiting blondinrealestate.com. Again, blondinrealestate.com. That was a great example. Both of those were. Those two definitely resonate and make sense. Because there are times where maybe it could be jealousy or it could be just annoyance. And I am like, why, why do I care? Like, why do I care about that? Or what, if this person is doing this to me too much, then I need to reevaluate my mind and turn to Jesus more and pray on why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Helpful to me. Okay. So then there are two other things I want to talk about. Uh, the first I guess it'd be easier to just transition into when you are learning and when you are growing your faith and you're faced with the obstacles of maybe people not understanding or people just kind of like, oh, here she goes talking (laughs) about God again. You know what I mean? Like, how do you handle that besides praying? I mean, what do you do? It would be interesting to like follow yourself like have a camera right or or like after you leave a conversation have someone go in and interview them I like I got my hair done the other day with this precious girl and um I don't know I've never met her and she asked me what I do and I said well I said uh I'm in school full-time okay well what do you do what what school well you know what are you studying biblical studies oh okay what you know, and so then it, of course, leads into a conversation where I do talk to her about Jesus, and and I don't know if it's offensive or not offensive, but my personality has always been, um, if I love something, the people in my circle they're going to know about it, whether it's Simon's restaurant in St. Louis, like I love his restaurant, I love it, and so everybody in my circle we're going to talk about Revel food and we're going to talk about Collie Tots and we're going to talk about the juice he makes because I love that food or or uh, Pappy's Barbecue. Oh, you mm-hmm. come to St. Louis? I, like, I love Pappy's Barbecue. Let me tell you, you better get there because it's going to close when they're out of food, right? And so that's always been my personality. And, and even as a little girl, like I talk about what I love. And so as I've grown in, in my knowledge and understanding of scripture, like to me, it, it just comes very natural to talk about Jesus because I love him and it's not fake. And it's not like, I'm not trying to convert people. You see what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is not, this is not a situation where I'm trying, cause I don't work for a church. I don't get paid for the podcast. I don't ever, I've never like, there's not any kind of benefit, so to speak, for me to speak about Jesus. It's just that I love him and it's pretty natural overflow in the conversations that I have. Now, what people think about that, I don't know. And I don't know if I really, um, 
care too much. Now, if I offended somebody, then obviously I want to have that conversation and I want to apologize um, unless it's about you offended me because you talked about Jesus and I think he's weird. Then I'm going to be like, okay, well, you know, let's learn more. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and it makes sense when you're just saying it, that kind of clicked to me. I don't, I don't know why it took this, but it, it you love him. It's like if you talk about your kids, I'm going to talk about yeah. my kids. So this is what it is. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. Either you want to listen. I mean, you're probably going to be very polite and shake your head and <laughs> nod yeah. and say, yeah. But if you don't want to learn more then that's, that's up to you. And I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to be mad. Oh, heavens no. And look, I have friends that, that, oh, I have friends from all, like good friends, like lifelong friends that are Jewish. I have, I have one friend that's Muslim and, and he is the most wonderfully kind man. And I have friends that, that practice Buddhism. And like, this isn't me trying to say like, look, there is no relationship here. If you don't believe what I believe that that's never been my jam. Like I do not like that. We can meet in the middle and I can hold tightly to my faith. You Roe can hold tightly to his faith, but there are so much in between that we just have so much in common. And, um, and that's kind of where I like to live. Like, I don't think there's anybody that I've done life with it, particularly in the last five years that they, they don't know that I'm a Christian. I think most people know I'm a Christian, especially the last five, five or six years. But, um, they, I think that they would also know that I'm for them and I'm with them, even if we don't see eye to eye on, on my, on our faith. And I think that's important. It's important to have relationships with people because if you don't have relationships with people, then, um, then you're talking about Jesus is really just falling on deaf ears. So in educating myself and I, I think I've probably been the kind of person who (laughs) would pretend that I knew something because I didn't want to come off as ignorant or I feel stupid. And I am slowly learning like that's not the way to go about life. You're never going to know unless you ask. And so one thing that I wanted to ask as someone who is growing their faith and learning new terminology, when looking at your podcast, when you say the Great Commission, is the Great Commission Jesus and God, or what is that? That that was a, a question I had. Okay, so the Great Commission's in Matthew, and it's um, the last words that Jesus ever spoke. And he said, here, this, this is just like, not in Bible, but this is basically what he says, is he's like, hey, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go and I want you to tell people about me and I want you to disciple people and just go and go and tell them all about me. And the great it's actually in Matthew 28 and it's verse 18. And Jesus came and said to him, now keep in mind, these are his very last words. And so I haven't experienced um, a the death of a super close family member yet. Like my grandparents passed away when they were in their, their nineties. But like, I have to imagine that the last words of my father or the last words of my mother, um, will be very, very, very important. And I'm probably going to hold on to them the Mm -hmm. rest of my life because you got to think through those. Right. And so these are Jesus's last words. He knows these are his last words. And so this is what he says is he says, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you this whole time. And so that's not what it says, but that's what it says. And so anyway, it, but basically Jesus says this. He's like, everything I've done, I've taught you about the kingdom this whole entire time that I've been here. And so for the last three years of his ministry, like thir- he was baptized when he was 30 and he, he rolls through um, for three years and he teaches people about what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And he says, what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to tell people about me. And then if they place their faith in me, I want you to baptize them and, and I want you to tell every nation. And so um, I think it's really pretty cool. And so it's Jesus speaking on behalf of of God through the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity thing is a little confusing. And so uh, yes, it's super confusing. <laughs> but um, but basically, they're three in one. And Jesus is speaking. And he's saying, go and tell people about me, this stuff matters. And it's for all nations. It's not just for Jews. And um, it's for all nation, every color, every race, every nation, this matters. And so um, Jesus came for everyone. So I don't know if that answers your question. It, it does. It really does. Because it was not anything that I had ever seen or read, but I, so I'm glad I asked. I have so many more things I want to talk to you about. So hopefully we can talk again. But I, I want to wrap up with your good friends, Adam and Jenny Wainwright, who, yes. I mean, we love them like we love the holidays. And so I know that you all are close. They were on your podcast, but I wanted to talk about Jenny's latest tweet. I'm not sure if you saw it or not, but about, you know, their adopted son who's black. And yeah. um, I wanted to, to talk about faith and how we, how we move forward, what we need to do as Christians to help one another, to help the healing. And so that's what I want to end on and, and get your thoughts on that. We just had a really neat conversation with um, Matt Forte and his wife, Danielle. And so he's a black football player. He played for the Chicago Bears for a really long time. And it was an awesome conversation. And um, as far as faith goes in racial division, there's no room for it in, in Christianity. And so when you look at, there's a verse in scripture, I believe it's um, Psalm I think it's in Psalm 27. It might be Proverbs 27. But the point is, is it says, I knit you together in your mother's womb and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I think we have to go back to how God values life and whether whatever the mom dad combo was, right? Whether it's two black people, a white person, a black person, two white people, Indian, Latin, like whatever, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is like God knit the baby together in their mother's womb and they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Scripture also says that he knows the number of hairs on our head and like Mm -hmm. our eye colors by design, like the way our brains function are by design, like all of it is, is God's design for life. And the, the thing that's so sad to me is that, um, there's such division in, in this, in that, um, because even when you go back to the Old Testament and even the Great Commission, it says all nations. And so the kingdom of God is a place where every color, every race, it's, it's all united under the authority of Jesus. And so this is a, this is a very simple conversation, but it's become very complex because of the facts of, 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 
the history that has gone on in America uh, against uh, the black the black community. And so like slavery really did happen. The, the abuse of, of black people really did happen. And so there, there's just like been a ripple effect over the last, um, 400, 200 years, you know, and I don't know how to answer the question other than the fact that I think what we do now is we learn some history Mm -hmm. and we, and we engage in that from a very, open perspective instead of engaging in it from from a white person's perspective we just jump in there from an aerial view and we learn the the facts and i think when we start to understand um like kind of where the what what history says about um about kind of the foundation of the culture, I think that we can start to have a, a, a wiser perspective moving forward. And so we we understand history, we learn, and then we listen to people like the Fortes, and we listen to people um, like there's a pastor in St. Louis, his name's Curtis, and he works at The Journey. He's awesome, Curtis Gilbert. We listen to Curtis. We listen to a guy named Charlie Dobbs. We listen to Miles McPherson. We listen to um, Loritz, like mom and um, or dad and a guy, I can't even remember their names, but there's a father-son combo. Their last names are Loritz, and they're in California. We listen to Tony Evans. We, we, we learn and we listen, and we gather information, and then we start to take action. And I think that's where um, Matt and I are on it is um, is we we are learning and we're listening and we're going to start to engage in different foundations and different ways to uh, participate in the ministry of reconciliation because that's what as believers that's what we're called to do is to participate in the ministry of reconciliation and to be with our brothers and sisters that are um, oppressed and that's what another aerial view of scripture and another theme of scripture that plays out from Genesis to revelation is, um, oppression. And I know it's not a super popular thing to talk about, but the whole reason Jesus came (laughs) in that little town of Bethlehem was to be born and to unify the kingdom of God. And he had to do that by enduring tons of persecution and obviously, a very gruesome death, but he did those things to, to unify the body of Christ and to um, set people free. And so I think my role as, as a Christian woman is to do what I can to help set people free from their um, strongholds against race because people have them. And, you know, I was, my grandpa was racist and, um, and it was a cultural thing and I remember conversations as a young woman like just not understanding like what why he would he would have a problem with someone from from another race and uh, it really always bothered me mm-hmm. and um, as I grew and and began to have relationships with people from different backgrounds and um, it really then it really started to bother me and then now as an adult that has learned a lot about what Jesus says, I can't um, even be around somebody and have those conversations anymore without intervening and saying like, look, it's not for me. I'm not in on this deal. So yeah, my husband and I just talked about that last night because we definitely know people and have said, if those conversations get brought up, I'm not going to 
I'm not, I want to walk away. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to educate, but at the same time, some people, there's no, there's no education there. They, Mm -hmm. They will not listen. They will not budge. So I won't put myself in that situation. So, yeah. That's what I was, Matt and I were talking about it yesterday and too. And there's this old story. I'm sure you've heard it, but it's this little starfish story. Cause Matt was like, this just feels like such a big mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, like yes and no. And so there's this little, there's this old little story about this little boy and he's on this beach and the beach is just full of starfish everywhere. And, um, and they're out of the water and they're dying. And, um, this little boy was throwing just one. I mean, there were hundreds of them. This little boy started throwing a starfish in. They'd walk a little further and throw another starfish in the ocean. And this older man walks up to him and he says, um, hey, you know, that doesn't matter. He's like, there's no way you can save all these starfish. And the little boy picked up a starfish and threw it back in the ocean. And he said, well, it matters to that one. And I think that story just resonated with me um, years ago. And you can apply it to lots of things in life, but you can certainly apply it to this issue is that, look, we're not going to be able to like win all of these battles of justice, but the ones we can engage in and the ones we can throw back in the ocean and give it some life is what we have to do. And that's the call of a Christian is a call of a Christian is to say, God's told me what's just and what's unjust. God's made it very, very, very clear in scripture, what works for him and what doesn't work for him. And if I'm going to partner with Jesus the rest of my life and dedicate my life to Jesus and so look forward to seeing him when I take my last breath, then I'm going to have to participate in life like that little boy did on the beach. And I'm going to have to, whenever I can, throw something back in and give it some life. That's what I'm called to do. And I think that that's what we're called to do um, in this particular situation, whether it's standing up for someone in a conversation or whether it's um, just doing things like this, helping create a broader perspective. It's what we're called to do. I love the starfish story. I've never heard that before. So I'm going to definitely use that one again. Well, uh, we didn't even talk about having four kids, which you're a hero for that. Uh, so, yes, this is a kind of an ongoing joke with a lot of my podcast guests and my listeners that I would love to have you back. I think we have a lot more to talk about. And I would love to continue the education for me and my faith and what I can do. So hopefully you'll accept the invitation in the future. Oh yeah, it'd be so fun. So fun. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and if you're feeling really generous, write me a review. And don't forget to join me next week for a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.